The following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. And welcome to another edition of Rediscovering the Indies, an independent wrestling history podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Gillow, joined alongside Jonathan Ash. Hello. I should say production extraordinaire, Jonathan Ash. I do well for myself. <laughs> uh, but we are here for the final part, part four of the NWA title and really the NWA business from 2007 to 2017, the end of the TNA era to the beginning of the Billy Corgan purchase. Uh, so we're going to break that all down. But first off, I want to thank all you, the thousands of people that listen to us every month. We really appreciate it. Tell your friends, if anyone has any liking of any wrestling, you know, this tells the story of where it came from. Lots of pinnacle events and promotions and maybe some just questionable history that we've covered as far as individuals, uh, mostly promoters in the Minnesota area. Um, but... <laughs> But as I digress, uh, we have had a lot of fun uh, doing this show. Uh, it, it's we did it, started it over a year ago. Now we just keep going, and want we really thank for all your support. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter at RTI Pod, Rediscovering the Indies on Instagram, as well as Facebook. We put the This Day in Independent Wrestling History every day. A little fun fact, uh, title belts, events, stuff like that. Always fun. So, uh, thanks for all our listen to support and of course our good friend uh, matt johnson at the bicpp radio network and the podcast podcast precinct uh, take, uh that's for some reason i can't say that today but the podcast precinct and the bicbp radio network our great network and podcast precinct where we normally record but we're doing remotely again because mr jonathan ash has traveled the world the last three months you're not available either don't make it sound like it's. I'm not me. booked every weekend. Just most. <laughs> but this guy's booked every weekend. But but yeah, so uh, um, definitely uh, looking forward to diving into this. Uh, and I just, you know, XPW is officially back. I do want to talk about that briefly. <laughs> XPW is officially back. Uh, very surprised that it is officially back. And uh, n- never did I think one of our topics would be something that has current day history. So, oh, and to be honest, it wasn't a bad show. It happened in my backyard and anyone that watched the pay-per-view would see me up standing on the stage holding camera. I was the entrance cam for uh, XPW Rebirth. And so I'm not just saying that because I worked the show. Um, it match quality. There were, good matches i don't think anything was just like match the year five star quality go to your way like things that were things you couldn't see elsewhere but there it was a good solid show so xpw is back will we see the return of awa superstars of wrestling main event championship wrestling i hope so (laughs) there's there's many of uh many of promotions we talked about there can make comeback but we're talking about something that is here 
and that's the NWA. And we're going to get right into it uh, where we left off in 2015. We're starting June 15, 2015 from The Observer with Dave Meltzer. Bruce Tharp and the NWA have acquired the rights to Paul Bosch's old wrestling library, which had been the subject of ownership issues for decades. Now, the Bosch library, which reportedly contains 800 hours of footage from Houston wrestling from the mid-60s to the early 80s, my impression is that the last several years of promotion, because Bill Watts was co-owner of Houston wrestling, that there's a question regarding the ownership rights. Now, that period doesn't appear to be part of this deal. I know there's some great footage from that period that is essentially in limbo, as best as I can tell. The NWA has stated that it will not produce its own VOD subscription-based channel using the footage, although no more details have been released. Um, this is still, to me, a mystery how this was even a thing. And I, and I, and I say that because how Paul Bosch's library just wasn't acquired or even tried to be acquired from WWE when they were on their purchasing spree a little bit before this period is crazy. And oh, I, I think, I think I know why. Um, because Bruce Fisher wasn't working there. Today. Yes. Um, Peter Bokerholtz, uh Paul Bosch's nephew has serious heat with, Oh, that's Bruce right. He was like, so, but Bruce Pritchard wasn't working for WWE at the time. The one they regardless, the they still have heat with WWE the way that that uh, situation with Houston wrestling ended in 1987. And the story is that Vince and Bruce uh, did them dirty. Did Houston wrestling, did Paul, Peter and Paul dirty towards the end there. And I think that probably, uh, that was probably the reason that the video library is never sold to uh, WWE. What, what people got to understand too about this Houston wrestling library is that they were not a territory. That's, that's where I think people are kind of confused. They were not a territory. It was basically a big spot show every week, but he wasn't so much aligned to one promotion. Uh, it was sometimes he would use class, um, world, uh, world-class talent in Dallas. Sometimes he would use Mid-South talent. He would use a lot of luchadors from Mexico. Yeah, he'd use Joe Blanchard's talent from San Antonio. Yeah, he would uh, get he would Andre also... and Bachwinkle. Yeah, Bachwinkle would come in from the AWA. He'd have the AWA champion on the shows. He'd have Andre come in. He'd have Bob Backlund on the shows. But yeah, you explained it there. Um, Houston was a one-town territory, meaning they didn't have a loop. They didn't have their own talent. They didn't have a booking office. They were just every other Friday, every Friday, and then every other Friday throughout throughout time. Like the schedule changed a little bit, but it was always uh, Friday nights. And yeah, talent from the Dallas office, from San Antonio, from Mid South would all come in. And uh, it wasn't until eighty two, I think, or maybe eighty three, around that time, that uh, Paul Bosch was getting up there in age. And as the story goes, uh, was tired of dealing with talent and just wanted to promote. And that's when uh, Bill Watts bought into the territory. And that was the deal there was Paul basically went to Watts and be like, could you handle talent and bitch him out? Because I don't want it anymore. And that's when Bill bought into Houston. I think he owned a third, if I remember right. Uh, third or fifth but i'm pretty sure it was the third 
And that's kind of what Meltzer was saying here, where he was the co-owner. So some footage might have been uh, co-owned by him. But basically, like that was that was the deal up until eighty six or early eighty seven, I think it was, when Paul finally bought, finally sold out to WBF. And Paul sold just the TV slot because he yeah. didn't really have anything else. That Vince could run the arenas. I mean, you know, that's pretty much what Vince did in yeah. almost every territory was just buy the TV slots. He didn't need there was nothing exclusive. Like you could just grab talent. So, but. My point that I was making, it, it's an all-star. It's its an all-star cast. It was, you know, if you want to find the best wrestlers from the 70s, a lot of them showed up there, or you know, in the early 80s, like, because he didn't have to just book one territory's talent. And like I say, he had, he had rights to Andre. Like, Andre went there a lot. Yeah. I think a lot of it, too, was he was drawing thousands every week. So like he was, it was always a good payoff too. Like Paul Bosch and Sam Mushnick were the best two payoff men in the territory era. And one town uh, guys, yeah, yeah. St. Louis is the same way. Uh, one town, one town promotions. But I it it made the rounds on social media recently. Uh, the actual payoff sheets for Houston for a few shows, and everything was broken down basically to the penny. Which it's always the story with Paul. He was always he was always exact with your money. You knew exactly what you were gonna get and he never rounded up or rounded down. It was exact and there were always fair payoffs. And I believe it's still on YouTube somewhere. Andre the Giant versus uh Harley Race for the NWA title. And Harley slams Andre in seventy nine. <laughs> so a lot so of people slammed Andre. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um but yeah, so what I'm saying here, like I said, lots of big names, lots of great footage, and this is kind of a nice, a nice move from the NWA. Um, we're now 2015. You have to paint the picture. WWE Network is already a thing because there became a thing in 2014. So, so 2015, they're like, oh, now it's time to get up on the uh, on the streaming, uh, you know, streaming train. And yeah, WWE at that point owned everything. Yeah. Like even yeah. by then, they yeah, they had everything with the exception of impact. Yeah. So like there wasn't anything else out there. Like, yeah, AWA, WCW, ECW, Smoky Mountain, Stampede. There really wasn't anything. Mid South was their last acquisition, I think. Mid-South, yeah. I yeah. Um, because Bill Watts' ex-wife owned that and she was selling DVDs for like $250 for the collection or something or something outrageous. Um, but that, yeah, that was the last holdout. I want to say that was before 2015. Um, yeah, I think so. And unfortunately, nobody owes Memphis. Like me, me and Ashley just start showing Memphis footage. No one can come after us. Yeah, no one legally does. owns that. Everyone, yeah. everyone says, like, oh, Dodoby needs to, needs to give Lawler a payday. Like, Lawler didn't own it. I'm surprised Jerry Jarrett doesn't own it. Like he he didn't that, find that, a way to own it. Yeah, I've shock. always been shocked that that was like there's no foresight in that with how smart that Jerry Jarrett was back then and his forward thinking that he never he never worked out a deal with the TV station to actually own it. That was just like it was just out there and no one had the like no one saved the video 
and it's just out in the public domain at this point. I mean, it works. It, it's nice for tape traders and nice for us. We can just go on YouTube and pretty much just watch it week by week. But you kind of wanted like the high quality version. You don't want a VHS like fifth generation version. You can find a ton of Memphis stuff on Amazon Prime. Yeah. There's uh, a lot of hidden things in Amazon Prime. Yeah, because uh, there's a few carnies out there that try to claim ownership. Same thing with, like, I think, Continental. It's the same thing. I'm assuming thing. Stonecutter Media might produce some of this stuff. <laughs> but there's our Stonecutter Media reference for this episode. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or, say Continental. I know Bo James has a lot of Continental that uh, he's put out there. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, Rob Fuller also did that. Uh, Ron Fuller uh, also was trying to put footage out there, which I don't think he owned any of that. But uh, but like, yeah, Continentals, most of it's out there as well in the public domain. So when you think of like video libraries, with the exception of Memphis and Continental, uh, yeah, the NWA in Houston is really the only, the last vestiges, the last thing, that last library that yep. no one owned. Um. And uh, we have some more information on this as we go further through the Observer on July 6, 2015. Here are some more details on the new NWA Classics 24-7 streaming service, which will be comprised of footage from the current NWA, as well as the complete library of Houston Wrestling with Paul Bosch covering television from the late 60s through early 87. This will include Houston matches during the Mid-South Wrestling era. Now, the service goes up on July 4th on a website, nwaclassics.com. It'll be priced at $8.99 a month or $99.99 a year. There will be 50 matches from Houston uploaded on the first day. Starting in August, they will upload one match per day for the next several years until the complete library is up. Some matches that will be up on the first day will be Harley Race versus Andre the Giant for the NWA title, the match I mentioned, uh, Butch Reed versus Magnum TA, Ric Flair and Wahoo McDaniel for the NWA title, Kevin Von Erich versus Chris Adams, the Funk Brothers versus Mill Maskris and Jose Lothario, Gino Hernandez versus Ivan Putsky, Reed versus Buddy Landell, Putsky versus Abdullah the Butcher, Brad Armstrong versus One Man Gang. I actually really want to watch that. Flair versus Terry Taylor for the NWA title, Flair versus Reed for the NWA title. Nick Bockwinkle versus Bruiser Brody, plus matches with Shawn Michaels, Junkyard Dog, Jake Roberts, Jim Duggan, and the Rock and Roll Express. So here's my only criticism. Well, I got a few, but here's my main criticism. You could pretty much watch, you can binge watch that in a few days, like all those matches. So what's the point of paying $100 per year? Like, you'd have nothing else to watch. Like, it would have been nice if... Bruce Tharp didn't push out all these other NWA affiliates and you could actually put on wild side and NWA wrestling from Hollywood and all these other companies could, could combine and put all their footage on there as well. Now I haven't looked further in the notes, but this did not last long, right? Um, no, no, it didn't. I think by the time, uh, Tharp sold NWA. I think it was pretty much done at that point. He didn't sell. He didn't sell NWA Classics, but I think it was pretty much done at that point. Like Houston was a huge get, but when people think NWA, they they want Four Horsemen. They you know they, they want Crockett. Yeah, yeah, they want yeah they want Crockett stuff. They want Rock and Roll versus Midnight, and I'm sure there was some of that. They don't want individual matches though. They kind of yeah. want like yeah, like when we. 
when you go on to YouTube or when you go on the network or Peacock and you, you want to watch stuff, you don't really skip through and watch individual matches. You want to watch, you want to binge on an entire show, an entire event or entire like weekly episode of Raw or Nitro, whatever. Like you don't just want individual matches. And if he was really trying to build a streaming service, what he should have done was he should have saw if he could acquire some of the obscure video libraries. And I know like, you know, it's there, it's not like, oh, but like, the eight, the American Wrestling Federation, <laughs> like you know, but those are old stars. You know, the XWF, the WXO, little on-off things like that. Everything that got put out for Wrestling Gold on those yeah. DVDs. Yeah, um, but also, I, I mean, think he, I, he's got Cornette stuff too. Yeah, like Cornette, Cornette has uh, a bunch of thirty-five millimeter film, hundreds of hours from Crockett from the seventies. Like you could have bought the rights to that and put that on there. But what about also finding all the NWA stuff from '94 or '93, '94 till oh. the TNA era? Well, yeah, it's like like that stuff. In addition to like the stuff later on, like, like there's Dan Severn for Story Funk Jr. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I want to see it. Coraluzo, I'm sure like that stuff exists. Yeah, like, on VHS tape. It, it's it, it's amazing, like. And it's great. And I think the NWA still has this problem to this day. If Corgan will show Houston stuff on the YouTube and all that, and I don't know if he shows it on Fight, but it's, they got Houston and then what they've been doing since Power. That's it. <laughs> I mean, they they show like when they were do those weird like one-off shows, and they're doing them again now with like indie promotions. Like when they do those NWA with like TNT Pro Wrestling and stuff like yeah. that. But... It's, a, it's a shame he can't... Uh... They couldn't get rights to NWA title matches in the 2000s with TNA, but yeah, that obviously wasn't going to happen. And uh, we'll uh, we'll talk about it later when we talk about Billy Corian. But like, he does have a huge library of Resistance Pro that he could just use too. But <laughs> but uh, all right, so we'll move on here. July 2015, Lisa Fox Lee, who was the executive vice president of content for WWE, was fired this past week. She had been hired in 1995 by the company and worked her way into the spot where she was the person who headed up the writing team and and reported to Vince and Triple H as one of the key people in charge of networking television. We don't know uh, the reasons behind this, but over the last few weeks, she was the point person for WWE's bid on the old Paul Bosch Houston Wrestling Tape Library. As it turned out, Bruce Darp, who runs the NWA, was the one who made the deal instead of WWE. Worse for her, that led to NWA starting a streaming service with lots of matches featuring major stars of the past. Even though they are not competition, the last thing WWE wanted was a streaming wrestling service that features huge name matches from the past being done by another company. So right there, they actually did try to get it. And then they, <laughs> this girl got fired after 20 years with the company. Have you ever heard this name? We're, uh, we're big history people and I, and I don't know if I've ever like she was on the creative team I she could have been a secretary on the creative team executive I, vice president of content could have just met like obviously like Moto said headed up the writing team I don't know about that but definitely didn't head up the team but obviously he wants to one of the key people in charge of, net, of the network and television. So it could have been just writing TV scripts. So not actually writing as a booker, but like WWF mania. She's there like writing yeah. the script for Top Head and Gill. 
like could be that and i know this is this episode is is not 100 percent indie uh, but it, it, it's a good story. So I don't think we're getting any complaints about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, uh, I just searched and see what comes up here for Lisa Foxley. Yeah. Um, her entire post collegiate career was spent in WWE, where she began in 1995 in television sponsorship sales. Spent six years there as an associate before being promoted in 2001 to VP of television programming. Over the past several years, she was instrumental in the development of WWE's global television strategy and network programming. All right. Yeah, so, I, I don't know if that name's ever come up in Bridget's podcast. And uh, Lee suffered from the Peter principle after a promotion, and Vince McMahon had become disillusioned with her performance leading and vision for her division. So uh, Vince just got sour on her. From He's probably really, he probably was bad about this. Yeah. Um. August 5th, 2015, regarding the NWAclassics.com streaming site, which has the Paul Bosch Houston Wrestling Collection, Bruce Tharp, who runs the service, said there was about 500 to 600 hours in the collection. Now, many of the matches never aired on television. Bosch would tape the entire card most nights, but the television show was 90 minutes, so the top matches usually didn't air. Some of the bouts had new commentary done. Tharp said he was actually representing the Bosch family trying to sell the collection to WWE for five years. He said that at first he had WWE look at the collection, and WWE made an offer, which he described as an insult. A year later, nobody came forward to buy the collection, so he reached out to WWE again, and this time WWE's offer was half of what it was the prior year. Tharp said he felt the library is worth $7 million and the WWE's offer was nowhere close to a million. At one point, the word was that WWE was offering $500 an hour, which would have been around $300,000 for a 600-hour library, and he said that he came up with that idea of doing a streaming service with the library from New Japan World, since he's been working as a heel manager for New Japan, the deal partnership between Tharp and Valerie Bosch. The deal is a partnership. So, so the the five hundred that's about right. Last I heard years ago it was seven fifty per hour, but even that is still well under a million. But like, uh, what did what did Bruce Tharp expect? Like, uh, obviously, he expected seven million. He's not going to get that. You know, so this is interesting, and and not so much the Tharp stuff. I mean, I'm not the um like Tharp buying the or W library, but the New Japan World thing. Because is New Japan World a thing in the U.S. by 2015? I'm trying to find it. It is a thing, but I don't think it's a thing in the U.S. yet. Um, it technically isn't even a thing in the U.S. Um. Well, there now there's American. You can order like well, there, a, okay. Kevin yeah, Kelly has dubbed a lot, lot of it. Yeah, that's why okay, I brought. Yeah. I'm pretty Lost. sure it's why I Kevin Kelly full time. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, what I mean by not even a thing in the U.S. meaning like they don't have an app. You have to go to their. You go to their yeah. website, and there's an English version of their website, and you can get English commentary. So it's not technically Americanized. Launched in December first, two thousand fourteen. Yeah. Uh, in 2015, they did their first ever event to feature English commentary. Okay, so, so around uh, the same time period. Yeah, because I know, but I know at first, like you had to use, you had to use Chrome and had to use like the translate feature. What was yeah. the site? 
It wasn't fight. It was like the predecessor of fight. Like uh, go fight live. Was it go fight live? Yeah, I'm pretty sure because Go Fight Live was doing Ring of Honor, and they were pretty much doing. They did evolve. They're doing a bunch of some type of weird app thing though that Jarrett was like selling. Maybe it was Go for Go Fight Live. <laughs> go Fight Gold. I, <laughs> I just remember Jeff Jarrett being on Jim Ross's podcast at the time, shilling the pay per view where he was in the Bullet Club. Uh, the well, the <laughs> what what hasn't Jeff Jarrett tried to show? Yeah, but um, anyways, I, I I can look that up. But um, just imagine if Tharp and makes the American version of New Japan World on top of the NW footage. Now you got a pretty competitive streaming service. Yeah, it's, it's one of my biggest complaints about New Japan World is that like they've even now with New Japan Strong that they haven't partnered with an American app development company to actually build an app that you could actually put your info in, put your credit card information in and actually view it that way that you have to use their website, the English version of, of their website. That's definitely written by someone that's English isn't their first language. And you have to put your credit card information in, in this sketchy website. And it, that hinders them more than anything, in my opinion. We, you know, we talk about, uh, sorry, as we're recording, some big news just dropped and I'm like kind of speechless. Uh, but, uh, I, I, yeah. And we have a group chat here and pro wrestler Vince Valor is sending us all this uh, yes. information of like from Sean Ross Sapp of releases happening right now. But we talk about a WrestleNomics, right? And we talk about the New Japan is, they have this idea of America of being new japan pro wrestling america and, but they're lacking maybe someone to really run that strategy somebody to take the bull by the horns an app an actual good television deal i don't i don't i'm not in the belief that roku tv is good no matter what press release they, they try to put out <laughs> like, no it's like, not like, um I, I i know like millions of people tens of millions of people hundreds of millions of people have roku i don't <laughs> i can't watch it so um, um, I'm, oh and it's uh, it's flips was the uh the app yes i knew it i i freaking knew it i knew it was something <laughs> weird. um but anyways so yeah so just to tie this back together say bruce star from the nwa actually makes an app streaming service and partners with new japan world he may not be selling to billy Corey because <laughs> he may be doing very successful yeah he could just like we yeah repackaged new japan world for the american audience um all right, so moving on to September 7, 2015, Jack Stane won the NWA heavyweight title from Hiroshi Tenzan on August 29th in San Antonio for the NWA-branded Outlaw Wrestling promotion. Dane has been uh, both here as the bodyguard as well as the tag partner for Rob Conway when he bought the NWA title here. So this is the Jack Stane era, who's still involved with the current NWA, but the Jack Stane era of being the champion. Uh, we'll move on to September 28, 2015. Bruce Harper runs the NWA and is a heel manager in New Japan, had a meeting with Spike TV in New York about getting on the station. Spike officials have told us that there is interest in bringing pro wrestling back, but nothing is on the table right now. They told Tharp basically the same thing, that right now they aren't making the move. We're told that they're trying to run new shows that have more appeal to women than pro wrestling. Tharp said he's looking at other options for television. 
I don't buy this for a single second. Spike TV was sour on wrestling. If they wanted to just start with some obscure promotion, they would have just stayed with TNA. Uh, I, I don't. I I think there might be some truth just because, like, they. I don't think they wanted to give up TNA. They were kind of forced it. Like TNA forced their hand when TNA lied to them. When Dixie lied to them and told them, uh, Vince Russo is no longer involved in the company, and then obviously he was. I think it was just like they were just like this partnership has to end. The spike was throwing money into TNA, like this. They were paying for the Sting deal, and I'm sure there's other deals that they were paying for that we don't know about. Um, I'm sure they pay like all of Bellator, like King Mo, and all that. All oh yeah, guys. no, definitely, because uh, they're associated with Spike. But um, uh, like Spike even went out of the way, even after they canceled or they said they wouldn't renew TNA's contract, they left. They let TNA stay on the network for several months later until they reached a deal for another company. Like they could have just cut them off in the fall of 2014 and said, no, you're on your own. So I think like they went out of their way to appease TNA to help them out. I can see them wanting to get back in at that point. Um, I don't think it, maybe it wasn't serious discussions. Maybe they're like, oh yeah, we'll take this, we'll take this uh, meeting. But could this also be the ECW going the USA network stuff? It just oh well, Spike TV had wrestling for ten years. They have to be interested in the NWA if they want a TV deal. Oh yeah, I can see that. I'm just I'm just saying like I could see them at least taking the meeting. Like doesn't mean anything had happened. How many how many pitch meetings do you think executives yeah. at a, a network have? Like, well, here's the a, thing: a, in a single season, like they they've got to sit through dozens, hundreds of interviews, hundreds of pitch meetings. I'm sure they took a meeting and. If anything, it was like, oh, I'll probably give you, we'll probably give you an hour on like a weekend time slot or whatever if we do this and things doesn't work out. I, I don't think Viacom seriously wants to get back in the wrestling game, which is a shame because wrestling TV rates are great right now. And I don't know what what they're, how sour they are, but uh, Spike TV is now Paramount TV and they also have Paramount Plus. And Paramount Plus is a streaming service. There's no wrestling on there. Uh, Jenny Buss from WOW just made a deal with them, and it's going to be on syndication for through Viacom, and that's it. So, well, yeah, I'm, yeah, Paramount Plus isn't just Paramount Network. That's CB. That's CBS. Yeah. That's every everything that Viacom has. So, uh, yeah, it is kind of surprising. But when you think about it, like for streaming services, which ones have wrestling on it right now? Obviously, Peacock. Uh, that didn't. Then- didn't Netflix have uh, Lucha Underground? Yes, Netflix had Lucha Underground. Um, Obviously, I mean, Pluto. Obviously, Pluto TV has a bunch of wrestling. Who uh, had the um, Amazon Prime has a bunch of wrestling? Was it Hulu or was it Netflix that had the project out of Nashville? Remember that thing that happened for like a couple of years? I don't remember. Like I know Hulu. Hulu has WB, so. Like Disney yeah. Plus definitely needs needs wrestling, which is surprising with the association with ESPN. Yeah, I remember Kevin Koo being involved. Oh, I'm trying to remember what that thing was called, but I thought it was like, "Wow, this is going to be a cool thing." And it's never... 
I, I think they had the one season and that was it. But we'll, we'll Lucha, check up did, on that before we go back around here. Yeah, what is Lucha Underground on now? It is on Tubi. That's right. But Fox is a streaming service. Yeah. Tubi TV. And I can watch it on Apple TV if I want to pay for it. All right. So we're going to uh, move on here and we're actually going to uh, discuss June. Um, uh, we're, we're skipping a lot of time here. Well, actually, no, we have October 6, 2015. We're skipping a lot of time. October 6, 2015, Destruction in Okayama, September 23rd, Mamatero Arena, 3,160 3, fans. Tiger Mask beat Steve Anthony to win the NWA Junior Heavyweight title in 10 minutes and 10 seconds. Bruce Arp interfered, putting the boots early, uh, interfered early, putting the boots of Tiger Mask behind the rest back. Tiger Mask hit a planche on Anthony and a crossbody off the apron on Tharp. After Tiger missed a splash, Anthony got a near fall with a middle rope moonsault. The finish saw Anthony miss a 450 splash, and then Tiger threw Anthony into Tharp and put him in the reverse double arm bar for the submission. Tiger Mask put on the belt and then issued a challenge to Liger, who held the title earlier this year. Uh, so yeah, and then now we're going to jump all the way to 2016 here. Well, before we jump, I just want to go through like Obviously, Jack Stane's still the NBA World Heavyweight Champion. Uh, not too much out there in way of defense, title defenses. Uh, about once a month, give or take. Um, mostly in NWA, uh, Smoky Mountain, uh, Vendetta Pro, NWA Mid-South. Uh, just nothing out of the ordinary. Just matches with locals. Uh John Saxton, Octavius Black, Rob Conway, uh, Charlie Haas match. And uh, a few title defenses against Tim Storm. He was Bull James. Uh, so he's he's making the rounds. Nothing like nothing revolutionary at this point. Basically, pretty much when he won it from Tenzin, that was pretty much it for defending it in New Japan. Yeah. Uh yeah, I was like, I was going to look that up too. And then uh, anything with the tag belts? Any changes? So, yeah, looking at it, uh, Heat Seekers with the tag champs, they had uh, they traded the belt with the Iron Empire, Matt Riviera and Matt Conway, throughout the next year. Uh, Matt Riviera is still a worker in Memphis area, I believe. <laughs> He's working for like, Bruce Prentice or Bruce Burr Prentice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, close enough. Uh, yeah, they. They switched, they were trading back the belts four or five times. But when you look at it, uh, not many total defenses, though, between them. Uh, Iron Empire defending against Outlaw Inc., Andy Dalton and Barrett Brown. Uh, The Ballard Brothers, Shane and Shannon. Yeah, Pacific Northwest staples. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty much it. Nothing really that uh, stands out during this time for that. So kind of like we're kind of stuck in a what's a limbo area here, but more of like not really too much is happening on the uh, NWA front. By the way, I did find what I was talking about. It was Dojo Pro. And okay. it was on Amazon Prime and it included like Jeff Cobb, Joey Janela, James Storm, Kevin Koo, Aaron Solo, Corey Hollis, uh, Gunnar Miller. I'm not too sure who that is. Uh, Carrie Awful, MJF, Ricky Stark, Shane Strickland, Wheeler, Yuda, 
uh yeah pretty 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 uh pretty stacked uh you know crowd yeah brandon i didn't remember brandon color being part of it either <laughs> yeah that's it yeah governor looks like a guy from tennessee from chattanooga area so but yeah so yeah Do- dojo pro yeah we're, we're 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 throwing out all the the obscure <laughs> references i think on, paradigm on pro was also on a streaming service really? at least there were see i can't remember like I remember they were on, I think, WGN or one of, like, a regional no, sports network. I know what you're thinking of. The Vegas promotion, Paragon yeah, Pro. Yeah, that's, yeah. And then they also had on on WGN Wrestling with Death. Yes. And I'm pretty sure WGN showed Resistance Pro, which we'll talk about later. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, all right. So, yeah. So, 2016, we have some tag title changes. No world title changes. And here we are. A year later, June 13, 2016, Bruce Darp, who has had the rights to the NWA Classes subscription site with the Paul Bosch Houston Tape Library, was in Orlando meeting with Paul Levesque. According to Tharp, Levesque invited him to visit the Performance Center, and they had a great meeting discussing the NWA and future plans that he said uh, treated him very well. He said that the NWA on-demand service regarding the Bosch Library will most definitely continue. So, uh very interesting um i think that's the same thing where i just mentioned about spike where you're gonna take the meeting but it doesn't mean anything's gonna happen from it and uh i could see him be like hey by the way do you want to buy the nwa <laughs> like, I mean, that oh, kind of just want these yeah that probably could have came up too like I, hey brother i see you have this nxt thing going on here but you want to own real wrestling don't know the national wrestling alliance um october 10 2016 diamond star wrestling which is being booked by jimmy suzuki the wrestling photographer from the heyday of wrestling magazines debuted on september 25th in tokyo at at shinkiba before nearly 300 fans they're building it around the nwa since new japan no longer books the nwa and which is going with ring of honor as its big u.s partner bruce sarp was back as the heel nwa president rob Conway and matt riviera the nwa tag champs headlined the show losing via dq to rob terry and masakusa funaki who was a surprise partner in a two out of three falls main event riviera hit suzuki with a belt shot and hit terry with a chair from the dq yeah so and this is the start of ring of honor and their Ring of Honor's partnership with New Japan. I'm just going to take a wild guess that Diamond Star Wrestling didn't have a long. Uh, there's no cage match listing for it. Listen, Rob Terry, great guy. Main event, Rob Terry. <laughs> Very interesting. I mean, the only Diamond star wrestling that comes up on google is an all women e-fed yeah that's i mean i'm, I'm sure it's i'm sure it's out here somewhere but it's, by the okay, way here it is, is it's under d it's under dsw uh is this it for rob terry by the way i that has to be towards the end of his career right because i feel like he hasn't done anything in a long time or let me let yeah, me I'm, see I'm, here I'm up. He, he worked in 2019 but it looks like he was exclusively oh no he worked florida he was working for ftpw in I florida just, uh, i found the cage match for this so i just sent that over to you um this actual show 
Yeah, yeah, he he worked a little bit after, yeah, yeah, worked a few years. Rob Terry and I forgot he was in developmental because I'm like, why did we never have this guy? (laughs) That makes makes sense. I had him. Um, I I don't want to get in a long discussion over guys and what they should be doing. Uh, so w- moving on from the Rob Terry conversation, see, we're, we're throwing out all the references <laughs> on today's show. Um, I so yeah, pretty- I'm, oh no, say I'm looking at this, uh, looking at this card. Yeah, it's pretty much, uh, pretty much what you, what you said, what you expected. Nothing, nothing out of the ordinary. I'm just, I'm curious if DSW actually ran ever again, though. Um, uh, this next part, I am looking very forward to talking about. On October 31st, 2016, Tim Storm, real name Tim Scoggins, won the NWA heavyweight title on October 21st in Sherman, Texas, beating Jack Stane. Scoggins was trained by Bill Ash and had some WB television matches years ago. He's been working mostly on NWA shows the past few years and was a former football player. At Wichita Baptist University, I might be mispronouncing that, in Arkansas. Jack Stane, who just dropped the NWA title, debuts for Ring of Honor during Survivor of the Fittest Weekend on November 3rd. Tim Storm. I'm a Tim Storm fan. Tim Storm is still heavily involved with the NWA. But you had to have the feeling that I had the feeling, you had the same feeling I did, I think most fans did, was who is Tim Storm? He quietly worked in the Southwest for years. He's I, a I great worker. <laughs> I think I probably had the same thought process that a lot of people in the business had was Tim Storm paid to win the belt. Because, yeah, he came out of nowhere. And his his sole WWE tryout match was a loss to Big Daddy V on ECW on Sci-Fi in 2007. Yeah, I, I actually remember. Uh, I remember that those ECW on Sci-Fi episodes. Just, just this episode, <laughs> those ECW on Sci-Fi matches. There's some great enhancement talent on those. Um, Bao Nguyen, who who is now current, I think Ryan Tran is his WWE referee name. Um, he's on a lot of those as as enhancement talent. Lenny Lane. Is on there. Is on there. Is is enhancement talent, and there's there's just there's tons more uh, of people that end up being stars and very interesting names that are on those uh, ECW on Sci-Fi matches. But uh, moving on here, uh, and on March 6, two thousand seventeen, Diamond Star Wrestling, the indie group Jimmy Suzuki is involved with using the NWA and Bruce Start ran a show on February 23rd with Tim Storm retaining the NWA title, defeating Rietta Hama and Rob Conley and Matt Riviera managed by Thorpe, losing the NWA tag titles to Rob Terry and Kazushi Miyamoto, who are managed by Road Warrior Animal. Terry and Miyamoto did the doomsday device on Riviera for the finish, and Tharp ended up bleeding after a post-match altercation. They've also built the three-way MMA worked uh, MMA fight to determine who the toughest with Koji Kanemoto representing pro wrestling, Naoki Ichio representing judo, and Kazuki Minato representing karate, uh, with which Kanemoto won. I'm sorry if I mispronounced any of that. That was a lot. <laughs> um, 
So, yeah. So, I mean, Tharp is pretty much. Bruce Tharp had to have been a huge fan of Japanese wrestling because uh, he's continuing to try these partnerships. New Japan made sense, especially when we talked about the era of New Japan. It, it was insane how good it was. This is something that's just to stay there. Like, oh, we have to have a Japan affiliate. I mean, it seems like, you know, Rotary Animal, like Jimmy Suzuki had connections, but. Yeah, I wonder how much of this is just Bruce Tharp wanting to stay a character over like what made what made good business because yeah we have that first dsw show in september 2016 we have this in 2017 they ended up running again in october 2017 and then again in february 2018 and that was it for diamond star it was probably just a passion project for jimmy suzuki yeah he probably just wanted to do it and and, and there we are um and then this is really why we're here. Why, uh, you know, kind of the very long end of the, our journey, because we're going to talk about a lot of side stuff uh, when it comes to it. But on May 8, 2017, Bruce Tharp, who had been running the National Wrestling Alliance, confirmed the PWI Insider story that Billy Corgan is buying the group. As everyone knows now, Billy Corgan and I have agreed in principle regarding his acquisition of the NWA brand. The decision comes after many weeks of negotiations and deep consideration. Although Billy Corgan may be a fresh face to wrestling, he's extremely successful businessman and has had a deep admiration and respect for the NWA. He's also putting together a very strong team. With the capital and business acumen that Billy Corgan brings to the table, I am confident that he has the ability to take the NWA to the next level. And I have promised that I can do all to do all I can to help him succeed. I ask you to join me in supporting the new NWA regime in the future. Um, so with, we'll just talk about that piece here. So, uh, Billy Gorgon wasn't really such a fresh face to wrestling, though. And, nope. and this is where I'll kind of get into this here. So I remember this, and I don't know if you remember this, but I do remember Billy Corgan's indie promotion. And it was called Resistance Pro Wrestling, and it was in it was based out of Chicago. It was technically um it was well it, he was supposed to it was supposed to be technically like an NWA affiliate after Corgan purchased it, but it hasn't ran since 2017. So um, early said that was the rumor, but resistance pro very, very interesting uh, lineup, very interesting concept. I'm trying to see, because I, I knew they were on television and I'm trying to find out what the TV deal was. Cause I do remember them having some type of, late night television that you could get i'll have to look into that but i do want to kind of get into uh their their cage match and and everything so we'll just start with their first show here resistance pro, pro wrestling black friday now this is from november 25th 2000 so we're going back in time to tell the billy corgan story so on his first show he's got a first round tournament match uh the chic defeating el generico uh Tag title tournament first round as well. Team Ambition, Kyle O'Reilly and Tony Kazina uh, with the Canadian Destroyer, who was Petey Williams. They were calling him the Canadian Destroyer. <laughs> defeated Hollow Wicked and Matt Classic. 
Cole Cabana. Uh, Jay Bradley defeated Icarus. The Briscoes in the tag tournament with Darcy Dixon defeated Sweet Leaf, which was Grant Akuma and Teddy Hart. Uh, we have an RPW women's title eight-man gauntlet battle royal where Melanie Cruz won, uh, defeating Eric Cannon, cheerleader Melissa, or Erica Cannons, which was Eric Cannon. Okay. Uh, cheerleader Melissa, Miss December, and Sassy Stephanie and Serenity, Simply Luscious, and Taylor Maid. And then uh, Petey Williams defeated Cole Cabana and Necro, Necro Butcher to win the RPW King of the Nightlife title three-way match. And then the RPW heavyweight title semifinal match, Harry Smith and Kevin Steen went to a time limit draw. So Billy Corgan was already putting on good wrestling shows. <laughs> I think some of these names shows you Kyle O'Reilly, El Generico, Kevin Steen, uh, Petey Williams, Cole Cabana, like Harry Smith. Pretty impressive. And uh, if I, if I remember correctly, and I want to, if I remember correctly, he had Vader there for a little bit. I'm pretty sure Vader worked for him. Yeah, uh, let's see. I wonder if I could just pull up the cage match and just pull up Matt. They just show me any matches. No, there's yeah results. There we go. Yes, perfect. Here we go. Um. So so yeah. So that was the first show. Uh, the last show that he ran was September 23rd, 2017. That just had John Schuyler defeating Daniel Eads to win the RPW heavyweight title. Daniel Eads uh, defeated the Cobra before that to win the heavyweight title. So did two changes there. John Schuyler defeated Shane Mercer um, uh, on that. And then we had RPW women's four-way where Holly dead uh, defeated uh, Connie Fujita, Kylie Ray, and Rachel Ellering. Um, for a title. So some pretty big names there as well. Trying to look at some notable, I'm just going to kind of look through here, some notable things, a lot of shows. Like, and I don't know, do you remember this? I remember this, but do you remember this? It like went under the radar. Yeah, I remember, I remember that he was running. I remember the name Resistance Pro. I just, yeah, it kind of just went under the radar because I don't recall even ever seeing any footage from it. Yeah, other people, Gringo Loco, Davey Richards, uh, Matt Cross, uh, Pac, Sean Davari, Arya Davari, Robert Anthony. Um, let's see here. The Rock and Roll Express, Rhino. Star studded. Mr. 450. Um, let's see here. Weirdly enough, they did an RPW heavyweight title, ECW world heavyweight title, winner takes all. Harry Smith versus Rhino. So Rhino's defending the ECW title in 2012. <laughs> that, that I find that very interesting. Well, hey, and this is, we'll, we'll talk about, Paul Heyman tried to sell ECW to Billy Corgan. Yeah. <laughs> Forget about that. <laughs> Billy, that's what Billy Corgan is not a fresh face to wrestling. And, I just kind of want to run through some more multiple names here, uh, and then we'll get into that. Samurai Del Sol, Lince Dorado, Sean Waltman. Here's the tag title first round, tag tournament first round. Samurai Del Sol and Lince Dorado teaming together. That was well before the Lucha House Party. Um, Vader, yep, there we go. It was, yeah, v- Vader in 2012 was working for him. Josephus, the, the late Vader and the late Josephus. Um, the late great Josephus, late great uh, Vader on there. Matt Nix was involved a chicago favorite um 
John Morrison, Thunder Kitty, who I'm a fan of. Gimmick is the best. Um, so we have here, let's see here, looking at Zach Gowan, also involved with, with the RPW. Matt Hardy with Rebby Sky. Um, awesome Kong. Let's see here. Crazy Mary Dobson. Yeah, I mean, this is just this is this is just into JT Dunn. Yeah, he was he quietly running a super <laughs> he, had, he had Mikey Whiprack. <laughs> That's all in 2013. Like this footage should be out there somewhere. Oh man, and there's just and I'm just I just went, only read half of the shows. I mean, there's so many other names. Like I, like if you if you glance through that, those were just a few first couple of years, but Tracy Smothers showed up. Um, I'm just I'm just kind of trying to go through this as, as quick as I can to to get some of these names. Shook D was there. Um, well, so let's see here. Um, just incredible was there. Like it, it's it it's absolutely crazy. Like uh, just just looking at what he was running. The, the a lot less super names and a lot more Midwest space as it goes on from 2014 on, but still just just absolutely impressive. Uh, Shane Helms uh, was there for a little bit, um, and we brought Shane Mercer up before. I mean, this is right before Shane Mercer like blew up with the GCW stuff and all that. Um, yeah, so and and then you guys can go on Cage Match and check that out. I know I'm forgetting a. Uh, there's a guy called Buddy Roberts Jr. Who is that? <laughs> it says he's the last rebel. He's from Atlanta, Georgia. I thought he'd be from Detroit, Michigan. <laughs> but, that's, but, that's usually where yes. all the juniors, are, yes. all the juniors seem to be working. For those of you who know, there was an indie wrestling promotion. We're not getting into details. The guys passed away, you know, out of respect. But there was an indie wrestling promotion in the Same Detroit area. <laughs> in the Detroit area who his big thing was he would take a guy like hey I want to work for you and he would make them a junior of our name of a wrestler so like my friend who he wanted to call Killer Tim Brooks Jr <laughs> which was very interesting well yeah you, you get all the old school fans they remember they remember the original hey listen I one time doing a promo in Canada for an indie wrestling promotion called the guy I managed the grandson of Pork Chop Cash. And one guy was very, very excited. He got out of his seat. One fan, he, yeah, one fan just, he just, he jumped out of his chair. Yeah. He screams, yeah. The chair, like, too, the chair, like, li- like literally, like, moves and, and falls on the ground, like, folds up. Guy like was pop Roscoe Black ever got? It, no, it, it was not him. Not, I, oh, okay. No, it was Maurice. Oh, Maurice. okay. Yeah, yeah, managed Maurice. That's more but, surprising. I thought. Yeah. <laughs> um, pork chop cash. I thought would like. I could see the resemblance with with Lakeem with Roscoe. <laughs> okay, then. 
I was just looking for obscure wrestlers that, that I could throw out with that. No one's gonna no one's gonna fact check this. That's what I was saying. No one can Google this. No, nobody in Sidbury, Ontario, or Barry, wherever you were. It was it, uh, it's probably Oshawa. <laughs> Most likely, it was Oshawa. Yeah, no one, no one's fact checked. I'm usually in Oshawa. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So yeah, so the, the, there we have that. There, uh, I think you're. You sent me a, a cartoon of Billy Corgan and Vader. <laughs> I, I, I I googled Billy Corgan, Big Van Vader, and that came up for some reason. Um, but yeah, so the point I was trying to make here uh, with that big you know diatribe is is that Resistance Pro Wrestling, innovative, probably before their time, and and like I do remember them being on some type of television. Like I don't know why I can't find that, and know why it's not listed on Wikipedia. But I, I, because I, I can't remember watching like Harry Smithers Vader, like on there. But uh, they, like I said, they were innovative, a super indie ahead of their time. So Billy Corgan, not a fresh face, involved with ECW. You know, he showed up and everything, and you know, Paul Heyman tried to sell it to him. He was involved with Impact. You know, and there was the whole talks of he was trying to buy Impact and. Then, you know, he he gave a loan to Impact and they owe him money. And I don't know all the truth behind that. I don't know all the details. Yeah, the, the, the story's out there. If we ever do an NWA episode, which it's not really indies or TNA episode, but the, that's not really indies. But like that has already been out there and covered on the whole yeah. Billy Corgan, Anthem, Dixie Carter situation well my point is billy corgan not a fresh face maybe yeah. a little bit newer you know it wasn't his main career but not a fresh face to wrestling um uh i'm not going to go into many details about dave lagana but dave lagana was a tna producer a WWE producer he was partying with billy corgan this project he is no longer with the NWA due to uh, allegations in the speaking out movement. So we're not going to go too much into Dave Lagana. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of uh, notes here from Meltzer. Most of it is just recapping, recapping the last 10 years of everything we talked about. Yeah. So, um, so uh, I'm going to move, move on there till May 5th, 2017. So there, there is uh there is something there highlighted oh, in red yes okay i yeah, know that we do have to cover this so tart didn't comment more on the sale past uh noting to us that the sale does not include the nwa on demand streaming service which is the old paul bosch houston library that tharp is in control and there's no word how that fits into this um i think that end up being part of the sale because i'm pretty sure corgan has put that stuff up on youtube yeah i think i not sure if it was the immediate sale or it was something later on that Corgan bought, but I believe Corgan does have that, does have the, the right to that. NWAclassics.com does no longer, no longer exists. At least last time I looked. Um, and, uh, you know, I actually do want to cover this part from that observer over the years, Tarp had some TV meetings, including Spike trying to get an NWA television show, but it couldn't make a deal. Corgan had made sure to put, get put in his contract that when he settled with Anthem over the money owed him that he would ha- wouldn't have a non-compete and it indicated at least thinking about doing something in wrestling as he want really wanted control of impact 
Anthem was able to make the deal with Dixie Carter since Corgan was going to get rid of Carter, so she didn't want it in Corgan's hands. As it turned out, Anthem got rid of her anyway. <laughs> the idea of doing a live work rate promotion that runs every few months in a city that doesn't have uh, seats seems like a formula that can work right now on a small-time basis. Trying to do a television-based angle promotion is much more difficult because of the difficulty in getting television, as Jeff Jarrett has found out when he tries to sell the GFW shows. It, there's a lot going on here folks. Yeah. The, the young bucks and others have shown the ability to produce inexpensive video pieces similar to what ufc does when embedded and garner significant viewership on the internet but those aren't revenue drivers as much as sales tools <laughs> they're not uh revenue drivers okay yeah what wwe becoming more aggressive when it comes to talent so folks now in 2021 we're living in the era of let's budget cuts this the 2017 is the era of sign everyone <laughs> so budget cuts as we're sitting here and like half a dozen people just got released yeah 2017 this is the sign everyone era uh with WWE becoming more aggressive when it comes to talent not to mention tna new japan lucha underground WWE and wwn involved flow slam they're in one and then Avering of honor having signed talent there is very limited top tier talent available for a new promotion and those who aren't signed to television promotion they aren't top tier because uh they don't want to be signed so today brought some good point 2017 is a very saturated era as far as guys being under contract i mean WWE had had to have at least probably i think if we we actually talked about wrestlingomics it was close to 300 in 2017 300 wrestlers if not more yeah, that was about the time that they started signing everyone up, just because Ring of Honor really started to gain some traction at that point. Uh, you had New Japan making inroads with the Bullet Club, so yeah, definitely. And WWE was definitely trying to expand there with with NXT. So yeah, if you were good, you were getting a contract from somewhere. On uh, May 5th, 2017, on the NWA sale from May 10th, uh, or on the NWA sale front, May 10th was supposed to be the deadline for all the papers to be signed for Bruce Starr to officially sell the rights to the NWA and whatever intellectual property that goes with Billy Corgan. Uh, what we don't know is, is that, or we do know is that on May 9th, there was no word that the papers have been signed and those in the NWA have not heard anything official. On May 22nd, 2017, the NWA situation is almost closed where Billy Corgan is now the official owner of the brand. We're told the basic deal was signed this past week, although it in the hands in the hands of lawyers and everything is not completely done and the money hasn't changed hands. It's expected that the, when the aspect is done, that Corgan will talk publicly about the brand. Unlike a few weeks ago, the Houston Wrestling Library is now part of the deal. The actual ownership of the library is still in the hands of Valerie Bosch, Paul's widow. Bruce Tharp was used as a broker and went to sell to WWE, but felt their offer was too low and then created the NWA on demand website where they charge a monthly subscription fee and put up a new and put up new matches on a regular basis as they transfer them to digital from the original tapes. Corrigan will take over the position, um, take over that position. There are a number of different things that could, they could do with the library, including sell it to WWE or market it in some form themselves. Another group uh, held head by, Matt Riviera was looking at making an offer to Bruce Tharp for the NWA. The Riviera side offered Tharp the ability to stay with the NWA 
as well as get work as a heel manager that they would give him an international brand ambassador so he can retain his position of NWA 30 in the Japanese market. Uh, Tharp will have a role with Corgan. Uh, NWA, at least in the transition phase, the sale price is said to be $175,000 to $250,000 range, although nobody has confirmed any figures or any fr- any that it's a fraction of the 7 to $9 million that Corgan embarked for Impact Wrestling to pay off all the debts and other percentage owners and at a purchase price when he was looking to buy in that brand. As far as what happens next, it's a work in progress, but don't expect any shows or anything like shows anytime soon. But one idea is to use the NWA's branding to, make, to market historical aspects like books, DVDs, and other projects. So, so a lot to divulge here. Yeah. Uh, he, if we are to believe numbers, Tharp turned down half a million around the half a million range just for the video library to WWE. And now he's selling the entire company and the video library for half that. And it's still weird that they're saying that Billy was purchasing it, but Valerie Bosch would still own the tape library. And what? No, it meant like she still, she owns it current. Okay. So it means Tharp never, it means Tharp never actually owned the video library. He must've been just leasing it or, uh, it was licensing it for the on demand. Now uh, I am pretty sure I know who this Matt Revere side was. It's Burt Prentice. 100%. (laughs) I mean, I could be wrong. I'm just guessing, but it would be super smart for Burt Prentice in 2000. Another person we've actually lost very recently to Burt Prentice, huge part of independent wrestling history. We're definitely going to do an episode in the future. Um, But Burt Prentice, like, uh, how smart would it be for him to market the NWA down south. He had local television and markets. I mean, Memphis, would, like, is he ran, like, in Memphis area. He had, I mean, Lawler was on his TV a lot. Rock and Roll Express was on his TV a lot. Uh, Doug Gilbert was on his TV a lot. Tommy Rich. Like, it, it would make sense if, if it was him that was, like, trying to buy the NWA. And I would have liked to see that. In all honesty, for that amount of money, if it's sold for $250,000, that would have been very affordable for not not every indie promoter, but for a businessman with connections and money, that that would have been doable. Jerry you Waller being a silent partner? Yeah. Considering how much WWE has paid for tape libraries and paid for the rights to certain companies and how much indie feds go for like that's very uh, that's a very low amount for what you're getting on that with the value of the name and obviously like ownership of the title belts and however whatever was worked out with the library ownership of the library or licensing the library what have you but that was that's a very uh doable amount i mean at at this time too if you're a promoter like Burt Prentice or, you know, Billy Corgan that wants to get into wrestling really bad as far as heavier in promotion, it makes sense. Would it have made sense at this time for anyone else to maybe buy this? Would it have made possible sense for Ring of Honor with Sinclair to try to buy the NWA in 2017? Have that title lineage 
Um, I think we all could say that we would have wanted that, but I, from a business aspect, that was not something Rigamondo would have done. Sinclair wasn't spending that money. Sinclair barely spent money themselves for on Rigamondo. They were not spending that money on on the NWA, and they had the belt. They didn't. They didn't want it anymore. Um, they kind of phased it out. So, yeah. so like it. I see it more of yeah. Like Impact wasn't going to pay a quarter of a million to get it back. Uh, it's more of a passion project. Like you said, for Prentice, I could see Trobic and Marquez and others pooling together to try to buy it back. Like that would have been, that would have been a story right there too. That they, Mark, the, the yeah. original owners, the original owners from the nineties and two thousands came back and repurchased it. And now they're running it again. And we know Marquez gets involved with Corrigan for yeah. a few years. He only oh, yeah, he, recently. He, he got right back in there. <laughs> so, um, June 5th, 2017, from the uh, Observer, PWI Insider reported problems with the Billy Corgan NWA purchase, stating that there are issues with the copyrights and trademarks to the NWA name, and that the existing ownership had left the trademarks lapsed and had applied for them again on March 30th, but hadn't come through yet. That would sound more like a delay than anything else. It was described to us as Bruce Tharp not yet closing the deal and that the other side expected to be finalized by now. So Bruce Starr sounds like he's having second thoughts because this <laughs> is it, his wrestling dream. You know, he probably I mean, should have took that Matt Riviera deal. He yeah. been a New Japan being the heel manager, like, like. I I I also find that surprising that the man who won ownership of the NWA through a technicality uh, let the trademark slaps that he could very well not be able to sell the NWA on a technicality. I, I, th- that is a shock. Like, you know, you're in a sale, like you're about to do a sale, like, like, and you're, you're not making sure that all your ducks are in a row. You're a lawyer. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't you make sure you had the trademarks even before you were trying to sell it? And then this is, if these reports are true, maybe he did have all his ducks in a row. Yeah. And- maybe. Yeah. <laughs> like the, this, this could just been an errant report from PW Insider, but yeah, wouldn't you think like if he's going to Triple H and he's going to all these places to try to like make a deal, especially Triple H to try to offer a sell, just at least discuss discuss things? Wouldn't you make sure that you actually own the company? <laughs> uh, June 12, thousand seventeen. There's a trademark issue with the NWA, which is really behold up the sale to Billy Corgan. This was also an issue because in 1998, when the new NWA name was brought by, I'm sorry, brought into WAF with Jim Cornette leading the Rock and Roll Express, Dan Severn, the new Midnight Express, Bob Holly Barkun, and Jeff Jarrett, that Howard Brody, who was running the NWA, signed a deal where WWF would have the rights to use the name open-ended. They wouldn't own the name, but they would have a legal right to use it, although they stopped using it nearly 20 years ago. Bruce Starr's trademark application for the new NWA name was suspended by the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, which has messed up the sale because of the key thing Billy Corgan was looking at buying were all the trademarks to the NWA name. Starr filed for the trademarks in March after his original rights to the name and the trademarks expired in December. Until it's taken care of, he can't transfer the ownership to Corgan, who had hoped the deal would be completed by now. So, obviously, the holdup was... 
WWE still had a legal right to use the name. And here's the thing with WWE. If they really, if this really was an issue, they would have used it before to mess with TNA. Yeah. (laughs) Well, maybe they didn't even realize it. I I could definitely, I could see. Maybe only Howard Brody really knew. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, Brody's probably the only one. Or like Vince totally forgot about it. I mean, they still, they were still using the name, the NWA name for like classics on demand. Not. Not promoting the NWA, but like for footage, they didn't have to blur out anything that said NWA. So they technically were still using it, not on active TV. But yeah, I think this is something that WWE just probably forgot about. But again, the big thing here is uh, Tharp let the trademarks expire four months earlier. It, it just, it, it, it's, it's absolutely insane that, that this is even a thing. <laughs> Um. All right. So, uh, moving on here, uh, June nineteenth, two thousand seventeen, from the Observer: The NWA deal and Billy Corgan remains in a weird state. Those close to the situation say that Corgan does have a signed deal with Bruce Tharp and that they are aware of the issues in play. But the money has not changed hands, and Corgan's side hasn't officially taken over. The NWA affiliates are pretty much on hold, waiting to find out what is going to happen. Which we'll kind of talk about a little bit, but there is no more NWA affiliates. Yeah, no, it's (laughs) it's pretty much done. Um, July 3rd, 2017, uh, the trademark issues that were holding up the NWA purchase by Billy Corgan have been settled. The various trademarks were assigned by the International Wrestling Corporation, the name of Bruce Tharp's parent company, to Lightning One Incorporated, a company that is run by Corgan. International Wrestling Corporation, he really... Because it was WCW for years was the Universal Wrestling Corporation. Yep. Um, October 2nd, 2017, Billy Corgan will be taking over ownership of the NWA on October 1st. All the NWA affiliate promoters won't be able to use the name unless authorized by Corrigan. And his ideas aren't to use the name for indie promoters to use. Although Marquez's group, Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, would probably use the name. They did an angle on Marquez's show where Tim Storm, who was the NWA champion, was confronted by Nick Aldis, which makes Aldis favored to get the title since Storm is from the old regime. Regarding the NWA on-demand streaming service and Paul Bosch Houston Wrestling Library, that service will be discontinued next week. The site was run by Bruce Darp and has to shut it down by October 1st. As part of the NWA sale purchase, Corgan owns a licensing agreement to market Houston Library, and he, he would be in control on how to use it in the future. Valerie Bosch still actually owns the library. The reason that the service was set up was because Darp had to sell the library to WWE, but to, the offer was so low that he felt more people could see it since WWE likely wouldn't release most of it and they could have more money on, on it from doing their own streaming service. But the number of subscribers at a service wasn't significant. So, I wonder if this is still in 2021, if, the, if, if he just has the rights to stream it, but he doesn't own it. I, quite possibly. And I wonder, because we do know recently, Bruce Pritchard made a giant purchase of a lot of Paul Bosch's estate. And I wonder if, if he even knew. He probably doesn't even know. <laughs> I mean, that's entirely possible because this report came from Meltzer and Bruce ain't going to believe anything from Meltzer. So, yeah. I probably. can see, yeah, I could see Pritchard doing the thank you deal 
to the Bosch family. And uh, so, I mean, I don't know if he has the money. No, I'm talking about having to rebuy it. Oh, well, yeah, I, I think that info would be out there, though. Because... Maybe not in 2021 with Peacock now, but because well, there's no need for it. Yeah, because obviously Corgan, st- Corgan still has the rights to actually stream it. So if WWE bought it, Corgan would have to take all that video, all that stuff down off of, off of YouTube. So like, and re-edit, probably re-edit all of his uh, all of his recap videos. So I can't see them actually owning anything. Oh, but yeah, it was mentioned there was Tim Storm, which yeah, everyone thought at that time that Storm was immediately going to drop the belt. Which he didn't at first. Like Tim held on to it for a little while. They they wanted to make a run with Tim. I think more just to just because everyone thought Tim was going to drop it. And uh, you know, and we're going to go to the last part of the observer here, but it looks like the NWA affiliate shows stop October twenty eighth in two thousand seventeen, uh, which the AEW Super Clash, which was an affiliate in Australia. And that seems to be the last NWA affiliate show, you know, before Corgan brands it as one brand. And we're, you know, we're going to, I am going to want to talk about a couple of results that we had before NWA power happens. Um, But we'll get into that after with this Corgan statement. So, uh, or just this Corgan uh, diatribe, I should say, from Meltzer. So from the Observer, October 9, 2017, Billy Corgan officially took over the NWA on October 1st. He did an interview with Sports Illustrated where he said he had a 20-year business plan and noticed that he was on good terms with Ed Nordholm on Impact and that they talk regularly. He said he's learned from his mistakes by TNA of things not to do. You have to build your own infrastructure from the bottom up and work with people you really trust. The traditional carny aspect of the wrestling business that plagues a lot of companies has played a company like TNA and our problems to hold the business back. You can't run an effective business if it's like Game of Thrones every week. He said, after all the legal aspects of leaving TNA after being bought up by Anthem were settled, he called Norholm and said, I think we're going to do business together in the future, and I want you to know that there is no issue. Side note, took four years. Yeah. <laughs> it took four years, but they did business in the future. And, um, and I don't know if that like comment being, you can't run an effective business if it's like Game of Thrones every week. I don't know if that means like episodic TV or just meaning like everyone wanted to kill each other. I think it's people stabbing people in the back for power. Okay. Yeah, that's that's, that's if I were to guess, and I wasn't that TNA, but if I were to guess, that's what Corgan's saying. Um, he said, uh, impact has made overtures to him and he's made overtures to them. He said that he hadn't found anything that is ideal for both sides. He said that they made an offer to impact to help them reboot the company, which was apparently was going to do an impact versus NWA feud, but said he didn't want he didn't get what he wanted with that offer. The NWA champion Nick. Tim Storm and Nick Aldis will be doing a program on Dave Marquez's championship wrestling from Hollywood television show for now with several weeks of plans. They also want to work with other promotions over the next year with Dave Lagana being put in charge of the day-to-day operations of the NWA since Corgan just started touring this week with the Smashing Pumpkins. Corgan categorized the modern pro wrestling as an aging fan base that is willing to pay more money than ever for, for access to the product but it's still shrinking and aging. He said that every other entertainment industry is obsessively focused on youth to create the next generation of fans while wrestling seems to be moving away from youth. 
Corgan noted that the average age of a wrestling fan is 57 among television viewers. I'm certain those uh, who attend arena shows are far younger. But the question is, is that half the fans that watch TV are past the age of 57 and none of them go to matches. Then something is missing in the product to make half of their audience uh, and really far more than half not interested in attending. (laughs) And in generations past, when wrestling was more popular, Live shows saw fans come from every age group, from young children to teenagers and grandfathers and grandmothers. Corgan noted that the 57 average is not a good thing. This does not bode well for any business. If you're going to target a younger audience, knowing full well that you don't want to lose the audience that you do have, the questions then become, how are you going to find them? Is beyond the paywall or is it for free? That is the fundamental question. His goal seems to be first to try and reach as many people possible for free, keeping his product away from a paywall. Right now, the goal is to start pushing the NWA logo and that they own the NWA World Championship. Whatever early exposure would be from videos to produce and the angles that shot on the Marquez show, the tentative plan is that sometime in the first quarter of 2018, between January and March, they'll start producing a regular up-to-date studio pro wrestling show. Uh Logano made the comparison old George Championship Wrestling Show Studio. The concept looks to be a build on the audience of the internet and to use those numbers to sell television. The feeling is where Lucha Underground made its mistake, spending too much on shows and having a small platform. Plus, the uh, the airing um, the shows airing were months or now more than a year out of date. And Jeff Jarrett's GFW issue is that it taped 13 shows, but TV stations aren't going to buy a wrestling taped a long time ago. The plan is to keep costs down, maybe put two to five wrestlers on the contract next year as new gear performance of the show. As far as what happens with the Houston library, that's up in the air, but as noted, the streaming service is done. They only had about 250 subscribers, so the feeling is that it makes no sense to keep it behind a paywall. The price that the Bosch family wanted to sell the library, which doesn't have, which does have a lot of great footage, is still more than anyone's willing to pay for it to buy it outright. And when they had talks in the past with WWE, they've been far apart on price. Um, one thing I got to say, but reading that Billy Corgan has done every single thing he has said in there. Yeah. He and, uh, started with free. He went to a stream service. He, you know, got a studio show. He signed two to five. He signed a couple people, to contracts, which for those initial contracts were like Eli Drake and Nick, all and Tim storm. And, and here we are. In 2021, uh, he's now behind a paywall with fight. Um, and they do their pay-per-views, and NWA is, I mean, it's I don't I, I don't know if it's a huge part of the scale, but I mean it's on that level of MLW and you know an impact, you know, a little bit under impact, but I would say MLW and NWA live in that same realm, even though MLW goes to television. Yeah. And uh, it's interesting that he basically had the same worry and the same thought process of today's wrestling that what AEW is going through, where he said four years ago, the average uh, age of a wrestling fan is 57. And how do you hit the young people? And do you do it behind, do you do it for free? Do you do it behind a paywall? Same exact conversations that AEW had uh, just two years later. And same thing like what AEW is combating right now, where uh, they are going for the younger audience. 
because the same thing that Corgan realized, like you, you can't keep going after the, you, you can't keep appealing to your aging audience. You need something to get the young people in. And uh, some notable results I'm going to talk about here, uh, basically leading up to the NW pop-up show, we're not going to cover the Crockett Cup that they did a Ring of Honor. That was a Ring of Honor thing as well. Um, and then obviously we're not going to cover the NWA powers, but I do want to cover these three results just to kind of show you where, where they were headed. Um, January 14, 2018, uh, they did an empty arena match at Universal Studios where Josephus defeated Tim Storm to win, to, uh, win the number one contendership for the NWA heavyweight title. As Nick Aldis had the belt at this time uh, on the NWA seventh anniversary show. Uh, we saw an NWA national uh, title match where Sam Shaw defeated Cole Cabana, Sammy Guevara, and Scorpio Sky. Vera Brown defeated Laredo Kid. Uh, in an NWA national title qualifying four way elimination match, Billy, or I'm sorry, Willie Mack defeated Jay Bradley, Mike Perro, and Ricky Starks. In a kiss my foot match, Tim Storm defeated Peter Avalon. Uh, NWA women's world title jazz defeated Penelope Ford. Uh, NWA national title, Willie Mack defeated Sam Shaw to win the title. And then in a no rules tag match, the War Kings, Crimson, and Jack Stain with World Warrior Animal defeated Crazy Steve and Shannon Moore with Josephus. And the NWA world heavyweight title, Nick Aldis with uh, Camila defeated Cody with Brandy Rhodes. And then and he was the official NWA world heavyweight champion. So he must have held it up, I would imagine, from Tim Storm, if I remember. Yeah, well, uh, oh, no, Cody. Yeah, no, because Cody. Oh, yes, yeah, right. No, this is after. Yeah, Cody won the belt all out. That's right. All in. All in. Yeah. So now, yeah, now yeah. it's a. Yeah. Yes. So this is, this is after. So it went Storm, all this, Cody, all this. Yeah. That's right. And I, one, uh, one thing I just want to go back to the previous show. You mentioned the empty arena match with Josephus versus Tim Storm at Universal Studios, commentary by Jeremy Borash and Sam Shaw, aka Dexter Loomis. So that definitely had. Uh, at association with impact. Yeah, so there was a little bit was of an impact at that there. point. But really, when they start, didn't really start working together until this year. Like, yeah. now you see the share, you know, uh, Mickey James jumping between both brands and, and Chelsea Green and others. So, um, and then uh, just I want to talk about this NWA pop up show. Uh, this is uh, January uh, 5th, 2019. So it went like four or five months without, you know, and he didn't start running power until September 3rd, 2019. So all, about two years from the purchase, they didn't really start running the powers. Uh, but uh, what they were doing, yeah, they were doing these shows, but they were also doing uh, the lots uh, of video. 20, yeah. Yeah. The 20 pounds of gold videos uh, and just a lot of, a lot of really good uh, recap videos, a lot of yeah. good featurettes that you don't really see too much. And uh indie wrestling and pro wrestling anymore um yeah and they were they're basically just building to these stories building to these shows here uh but no go ahead i think you were gonna go yeah the pop-up show yeah i was gonna talk about the pop-up show january 5th 2019 uh this was in clarksville tennessee um and you know uh, this is the promotion uh, tnt pro wrestling tried and true which i think they still have a relationship with i could be wrong but uh, I, I think there was something recently that that they actually were doing with them. I know they've they start. I think they worked with a, an indie like in St. Louis 
and all that. But, but anyway, yeah, the September or uh, October 24th of this year, so just a few weeks ago, they did a combined NWA TNT by any means uh, show. Yeah, so there's still a relationship there. Uh, but yeah, so on this show, though, we saw Max starting with Selena De La Renta defeating Jeremiah Plunkett. Uh, Crockett uh, Cup 2019 qualifying with the War Kings defeated Caleb Conley and Jay Bradley. Then Brand defeated Jay Bradley. Uh, NWA World Women's title, Ali defeated Jazz by DQ. Um, that's the bunny from, uh, f- from AEW. Tried and true title, Loser Leaves TNT No Disqualification match for Crazy Steve defeated Samuel Shaw. And I think that's when Samuel Shaw pretty much goes to WWE. Uh, NWA national title, Willie Mack defeats Mac, defeated Matt Cross. Hair versus hair tag team, David Arquette and Tim Storm defeated the Kingdom of Josephus, Josephus and the Spiritual Advisor. And then the NWA World Heavyweight title, Nick Aldis defeated James Storm to retain. So some pretty star-studded shows, these pop-up shows, working with other promotions uh, and all that. But But yeah, so... NWA is now, we started our, this whole Rediscover the Indies talking about NWA being this brand for indie promotions. Like, we're going to be NWA this and NWA that and NWA this. And then it was a thing that went years and then really got elevated again after TNA. You know, Trobich got new affiliates, and then Tharp, when he bought it, got new affiliates. And then this was the end of now. Obviously, there's a relationship with Tried and True and some other companies, but this was the end of affiliates. Do you think, and you know, as we, you know, I want to kind of have some conversation here before we end here. Do you think the affiliates being gone is a good thing for independent wrestling or a bad thing in 2021? I think it's a good thing um, because that's that's a holdover from the old days. Uh, and it's not really needed because the whole idea of an affiliate is that an associate that you work with each other. Like everyone works with everyone now. So you don't really need it. Like just do your own thing, have your own identity. And, you know, if you want to work with this company, work with this company. And it's not like you need, you all need to be under a single banner. To be able to do that. And again, when you look at IWTV, I may use that for example, IWTV pretty much has an affiliate system because they have the the independent wrestling champion. And the independent wrestling champion goes around and works mostly on shows that live stream on IWTV. That's a loose NWA type system, but none of none of the feds have to put IWTV before their names. They're all independent feds and they do their own thing. I think that uh, having a loose affiliation with that, there's no real money change in hands between these companies, but it's just, it's beneficial to work together and not trying to count each other out of, out of dues. I mean, we even see it in GCW. Um, They have their own kind of like, affiliates with jersey championship wrestling and then i don't know what the california name was going to be called uh, la fights la fights but even even hybrid yeah even but hybrid, hybrid. In, uh, in south jersey is yeah. uh, associated with them too so, so they have their own like low farm league and developmental systems going they have their own there. system and and from even here in new york feds are starting to really work together for the first time you know there's just you know some people on here want to believe oh nobody works with each other on the indie scene in new york they do 
there's the, a lot of... the, the good promotions do yes they they they, they do well no and, and all the all the people that complain about that that complain like oh uh it would be better if everyone worked together we everyone would draw better no no one's going to draw better than they they currently are if you put fed together that's mostly that's mostly indie workers that work for shindies that uh just want to work for better fed so they think that's their way in uh, I'll, I'll ponder a question to you too do you think not having something like saying you're the nwa this or the awa this not having one any of those things right it makes any promoters work harder like to really establish your brand now somebody just can't set up in you know the middle of kentucky and call himself nwa southern pride and and a bad name yeah and 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 just run shows in front of 60 people and 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 it's like stroke their own ego by saying yeah. we're a world nwa affiliate we're better than everyone else i think it, it yeah i think it does it does help it does help to bruise their egos um and to knock them down a few pegs because they a lot of those uh a lot of those promoters from back in the day kind of had that inflated ego and thinking they were they're much better than anyone else because they had nwa before their name um so yeah i think it i, I agree with you on that gonna play a what if scenario what if is a because uh, we got some time here uh to have some fun here what if bruce Tarp never buys the nwa are we still dealing with bob trovich nwa affiliates in 2012 yes i'm under I, that belief too i don't think anything changes no because bob trovich is still alive so he still would have been running it dave marquez would have still been running uh nwa from hollywood i don't think that would have changed um affiliates come and go and as we as we did the original episode about the nwa in the 90s now this one we you could tell a lot of affiliates came and went so it wasn't it was just a never-ended cycle and some affiliates that were there in the 2000s 2010s would have went away and new ones would came in so yeah it still would have been there i don't think I don't think it would have made a difference to the grand scheme of wrestling. I think AEW still would have came about. Uh, we'd still be in the current, the current atmosphere we are we're in right now. Uh, a few minor things might have been different. Cody might have never gotten a chance to win the NWA title, or maybe he would have, depending on the affiliation. But uh, I think for the most part. Uh, we'd be where we are now. Just, the NWA would still have the regional champions, uh, the more obscure names as champions, and it would just be going between independent feds rather than one champion that's on a YouTube show or on a on a, on a fight TV uh, weekly show. You know where, where I think um, really kind of took the place of the NWA on independence. And there's a lot of promotions branding themselves as this and whatever. I have nothing against this organization. Um, but the, the AIWF, <laughs> the Alliance of independent wrestling uh, federation, the yeah, federations or how it's called. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know what, I know what you mean. Cause there's a lot of feds in Northeast PA that are associated with that. And I, I don't see the need for that. It's, it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of 
shindy feds uh, on the borderline of even being in business. Uh, and I, I feel like a lot of them just want to belong and just want to be associated with something. And it's something they could jump into and then try to get the rub off of. Um, I don't really see an advantage to it. I'm sure, I'm sure there's only people out there listening to this that believe that there's something that they're getting something out of it. And you do you, but I don't really see anything special about, about that. I mean, there's also uh United wrestling network. Dave Marquez's uh group sort of similar as well with that, with uh, uh, trying to be an affiliates promotion. Um, that at least with UW, with, uh, with Marquez, you at least uh, you be affiliated through the TV the tv products that i think at least has a little bit of a little bit of clout compared to uh some of these other affiliate companies and um just to kind of talk about this aiwf because it's i think it's a small part of the story but it's where we are now this is the trying to be the governing body trying to you know you know let you know and, and by the way ironically enough damian wayne is the champion is the heavyweight champion and we talk about you know, back then they, they Bob Trubich wanted to put the belt on Damian Wayne to win the world title. So, um, or Bruce Tarp, I'm sorry, uh, no, but uh, just looking at the at what they have here, they have uh, AIWF Africa, which is pro wrestling Africa in Australia. They have Chaos Championship Wrestling, United Kingdom. They have British Empire Wrestling, uh, Elite British Wrestling, and HCW Championship Wrestling in the United States. They have Gold Standard Wrestling Northeast. Mid-Atlantic, Southwest, Voodoo Wrestling, Brew City Wrestling, uh, Central All-Star Wrestling, Danger Zone Wrestling, Edge Pro Wrestling, Extreme Pro Wrestling, Fighting Spirit Pro Wrestling, Glory Pro, um, Lucha Libre Vaz, Mid-South Championship Wrestling, uh, Mountain Championship Wrestling, New Evolution Wrestling, Pro Wrestling Express, SPCW Championship Wrestling, Throwback Championship Wrestling, and lastly, West Virginia Wrestling. By the way, that can't that's not the glory pro from St. Louis, is it? That can't be. Uh don't it might think be. so. So are you looking at uh I'm on WrestlePedia. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So if you look underneath their unedited list, there's actually more f- companies listed there. So th- those uh, are the more notable ones. Yeah, you you yeah, you only mentioned the notable ones. The ones I'm talking about more down there, you see. Yeah, there's uh, a lot. Dubai Pro Wrestling. EPW, GWF, SCW, WVW. Middle Kingdom Wrestling in China. WCWF, UEW. There's really no quality control. I mean, some of these these companies, I I don't want to say all these companies are bad. Like, I'm sure sure a good amount of these are probably good. But at the same time, like, this was the issue that Bruce Tharp had. When he bought into the NWA, there's no quality control. You have to rein this in a little bit, and it doesn't help your product. It doesn't help your name when you're just letting anyone in. Yeah, so you know, here we are, 2021. The NWA is still a thing, but it's now it's a, it's a single wrestling promotion, and now AI AIWF they're they're the ones trying to get people to brand. Uh, maybe there will be another branding company. That will come around, uh, you know, and, and you know, hey, we're gonna start the Championship Wrestling of America, <laughs> like, 
you know, this since is, wrestling this America, Mid East. <laughs> this is stimulus wrestling. <laughs> you know, but um, but yeah, so we'll kind of wrap this up here. So NWA 2007-2017, TNA sale happens. Or, or, I'm sorry, you know, TNA gets rid of not TNA sale. Get TNA gets rid of them as a partner, no more titles. They go through this ambition period of trying to run the Phillips Arena, trying to get on television. Then they catch themselves in legal trouble with Bruce Tharp. While this is all going on, Adam Pierce and Cole Cabana are just tearing the roof down all over the world. <laughs> then finally, the dust is settled. Bruce Tharp has a different vision, has a relationship with New Japan Pro Wrestling. The same time the Young Bucks and Cody and, and others are, are, are over there. Um, you know, Kenny Omega, the like. And then Bruce Tharp sells. Billy Corgan purchases it, and here we are. You tell the broad story. Yeah, that's a pretty good synopsis. Um, Fans just need to listen to that. They only need to listen to the last eight hours. <laughs> but uh, speaking of the future, um, well, actually, before we get to the future, um, just my final thoughts is, listen, I've always read the NWA stuff in the Observer, and I love to read it on Wrestling News, and it was great kind of reliving a lot of this stuff a lot of these names and and I remember a lot of this stuff like Bruce Bruce Starp and, and all that and having those questions and um and now we've told the full story and I think we've we've really told Ash the full story of the NWA title from the from WCW getting rid of it until uh so now yeah obviously we didn't do a TNA episode but we know what happened there um, yeah but we, we've told the full story to where it is now and you know all this is ping pong that belt a little bit. Um, and now Trevor Murdoch is the champion. So who looks to be going to feud with Mike Knox? One thing the current NWA does is it resurrects careers from the ruthless aggression era. <laughs> Max, but, Mike Knox is a good dude. I'm no, I love Mike that. Knox, but Mike Knox, Trevor Murdoch, Damian Sandow, JTG. This is like a 2008 WWE All-Stars. <laughs> <laughs> so... But SmackDown versus Raw roster. Yep. But yeah, so but yeah, the NWA, they're doing great things. Uh, I actually really enjoy NWA Power. I think it's well done. I'm a big fan of studio wrestling, so I like what they're doing there. Uh, any final thoughts on this before we talk about our next topic? No, nothing that uh, we've already uh, discussed in the last eight hours. So, yeah. All right, and remember, you can go back to the whole archive to, to re-listen to it and all that. Um, now, we're going to do something I'm ha- I want a lot of fun with because it's going to be the 16-year anniversary when it all started in December. And we are going to talk about the Ring of Honor CZW feud. Now, we don't do a lot of Ring of Honor's podcasts, mostly because there is Ring of Honor podcasts out there. And there's a there gets to a point where they're no longer in the international promotion. I don't think, I think in 0506, they're still in indie territory. And this feud is kind of legendary and it made careers and it got guys from CZW into Ring of Honor where they stayed for a while. Yeah. Um, and it's, I remember really getting into Ring of Honor this time and being very fascinated. So I am really excited to cover next month. And I hope you guys are excited. It's our Christmas gift to you, at least a Christmas gift to ourselves because I'm pumped. The Ring of Honor CZW feud. I wanted an episode of 
uh, surrounding Global Force Gold. <laughs> we'll, we'll save that to 2022. Yeah, GFW. In 2022, folks, you know, we'll talk about more in the next episode, but I think we finally maybe do the Grand Slam Masters of Wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I, I think we'll finally maybe do our, our, our wrestler bio piece. And we do a lot of promoter bio pieces, but maybe a wrestler bio piece or two. Uh, I know I've been bugging Ash about doing Reckless Youth. Uh, so we will eventually do a Reckless Youth episode, figure out what we do with that. Um, but yeah, so folks, we really want to thank you for listening to us. Uh, thank you for taking this four month uh, journey with us for the NWA. We're going to do a, uh, which I th- should be one episode of the CZW versus Ring of Honor feud uh, in December. And then we'll, in December, we'll kind of let you know what we you really should see coming the next year or so. Um, if you have any suggestions and topics or anything you want to see from us, once again, RTA pod on Twitter, rediscovering the in- Indies and Instagram and Facebook. And of course, check out our network here, the BSCPV radio network um in the podcast precinct any any closing uh comments ash uh no just uh follow both of us on social media yes oh yeah chris gello instagram facebook twitter ref ash on twitter um you're doing a lot of great things with go pro wrestling right now you can see me i'm i'm ring announcing at esw ring announcing at excite wrestling uh upstate pro wrestling which just got a new venue new logo that's going to be a lot of fun um you know, and I got some other things in the works here, some fun things. So, yeah, uh, I'm all over. Uh, I actually, I produced the uh, two most recent Game Changer shows, uh, working the Switcher, making and uh, directing the live stream for the uh, the Detroit Evil Deed show and the Nick Gage Invitational Six. Uh, so check those out on Fight.TV uh, right now. Check out the archive and. Uh, and uh, critique my work. Um, I'll be overly critical how most uh, internet fans are, most how uh, wrestling Twitter is. Um, other than that, yeah, you know, I'm all over. Um, you and I will be doing uh, Empire State Wrestling yeah. coming up very shortly, uh, Wrestle Bash 11. Yep, I was going to talk about that. So this is going to drop Thanksgiving Eve. If you're anywhere near Buffalo, New York, and you're listening to some Thanksgiving or Thanksgiving or the day after Thanksgiving, come on down to the Frontier Fire Hall. Huge show, Empire State Wrestling, uh, Wrestle Bash. It's the 11th Wrestle Bash. Daniel Garcia, who's now with AEW, will be going against Kevin Blackwood, who's blowing up all over the West Coast in, in, in our main event. We also have the Either DePaulo Memorial Cup, which features uh, local favorite Vince Fowler, big time Bill Collier, uh, the Drama King Matt Rewald, who you may know as Aiden English from wwe josh alexander former impact wrestling world champion is also in that as well as ktb and uh oh i know i'm missing somebody a facade so that's just a stacked match we also have tony Deppen versus jay freddie um we got christina marie uh going against danny mo uh and, and there's much more i know i'm forgetting the bunch but uh check that out that's billy marino that. experience yeah. uh oh, yeah. money shot there's a yeah yeah high caesars pme money shoppers to infinity and beyond uh jeremiah richter versus frankie feathers uh for the esw interstate title um kevin bennett versus kevin bennett versus Moon. Moon. Yes, that's the one i was uh, i was i was uh try, trying to uh bring up there but but yeah so check us out on that and 
happy Thanksgiving to everybody listening out there in the United States. I know we have a lot of listeners in England and Canada and uh, Germany. So uh, happy, just happy, whatever (laughs) holidays you guys have. But happy Thanksgiving, everybody. And we will see you in December for Ring of Honor versus CZW. This is Rediscovering the Indies. Keep on supporting indie wrestling. I am Chris Gillow. He's Jonathan Ash. And we'll see you guys next time.